Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast, your go-to resource for all things real estate and all things St. Pete. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking about pocket listings, and I am joined by one of my colleagues with Coastal Properties Group, Christie's International, Susan Vaughn. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, how are you, Nicole? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So pocket listings, um, they, I think, in terms of real estate agents, have become a bit controversial in the last couple of years because of um, some policy changes that NAR made, put into effect. But essentially, um, how I'm defining a pocket listing is a listing where a seller and a listing agent or brokerage have a, a formal listing agreement in place, but the seller for whatever reason has chosen not to publicize the listing publicly or put it into the MLS. So from a brokerage perspective, um, the advertising is limited to that brokerage and the agents within that brokerage and their buyers. Right, word of mouth or just networking among other agents. Correct. Within but, the uh, within the same brokerage firm. Correct, right. That and that's the distinction because prior to the clear cooperation policy that NAR enacted in November of 2019, pocket listings could be promoted to other brokerages. But I think that that's sort of what where the controversy came in because NAR felt that. Um, it wasn't to the sellers, it wasn't in the seller's best interest if the property wasn't marketed in front of a full buying audience. And by not putting that listing in the MLS, they didn't feel that the sellers were getting full market exposure. Um, and, And it's interesting, in some markets, pocket listings were really surging. Um, and, and brokerages were using that to differentiate themselves, right? Because if you have these great listings, then people have to come to you because they're not right. able to get that information anywhere else. And I think part of, do you think that um, these real estate shows like million, million Dollar Listings <laughs> and Selling Sunset played into that at all? I think they've played into so many things that we have to turn around and then correct and make make real. Just kind of have a you know a, a reality session with our with our clients, with our sellers, or with our buyers, especially. Those shows I think have truly they've done us a service in that they they kind of catch everybody's interest as a new reality TV. However, I don't find that they are actually realistic and true to life when it comes to real estate i just don't you don't show three listings and somebody decides to buy one of them it just doesn't happen if it, if only we would be we would be uh in a much better place right for sure and i feel like they do far less negotiating than we do yeah 
they leave all the negotiating to the agent, which doesn't necessarily happen. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. So I think that maybe you're. I think you are right because it glamorizes the eliteness. I guess is that a word of the pocket listing? It makes it stand out as its own little private secret, and I think that maybe by labeling it as something different than what everybody else has, it makes the seller feel like it's it's more exclusive. Right. Um, I don't know that it necessarily does. I mean, we were you and I had a, a brief conversation before you know going on air here, but I, I feel that even though it's a very important part of any business to be able to differentiate. Um, I don't know that a pocket listing is always going to be the best for every individual um, seller or buyer for that that matter. I do think that we're still best with traditional real estate advertising, marketing, um, MLS, and doing as much as we can to broadcast and get in front of, in front of a much wider audience than just singling it down to the few people we may be able to promote to by having an agreement to keep it a pocket listing and keep that confidentiality. I again, it's going to be a market for that too. It's right. Just a the seller. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And I would, I would go so far as to say pocket listing probably isn't the avenue most buyers or sellers would take because it doesn't make sense. You're not advertising in front of a full market. Um, but you know, we have other products that are similar, you know, auctions, we auction off properties and that's not a viable option for most people or the iBuyers, buyers, you know, um, a lot of, you know, offer pad, open door, um, those kind of buyers, a lot of sellers don't realize that it's basically just a glamorized investor. And traditionally, when you think of an, a, an investor buying your property, they're going to offer at a lower purchase price. Yeah, and, in many cases, pennies on the dollar. I mean, it really is a very wide margin because they have, they're looking for that wide margin so that they can buy like the typical marketing ploy, we buy ugly houses. They buy it for an ugly price and then they beautify the home and sell it at a much, much more inflated price, probably much more in line with market value. So in order to do that, they have to really buy it at a steal of a price. Right. And and there are some sellers that because of a situation that works for them, but by and large, most sellers want to get the most that they can when they're selling their property. Um, right. So let's talk about some, um, well, first of all, I want to talk about the clear cooperation policy that NAR or the National Association of Realtors voted in November of 2019. And like I said, pocket listings is something that they do not support. Um, there was a, you know, prior to this policy, a lot of brokerages would promote a property as coming soon using a waiver to keep the property off market. And um, I think that the National Association of Realtors felt that brokerages were abusing it 
that policy in order to get both sides of the deal. So they came out with this new clear, clear cooperation policy, which went into effect uh, January 1st. They really started enforcing it um, last month. Um, but that policy says that within one business day of marketing a property publicly, so that's on Facebook, in digital marketing, uh, yard signs, flyers, um, multi-brokerage listing sharing networks, anything to the public that it has to be entered into the MLS within 24 within hours. Day. Yes. Exactly. And you know, it's a, it's a shame for those of us who utilize that coming soon, and I speak of myself included, as a just a way to build momentum and and get a lot more interest by the day that the home is actually the property is actually listed in the MLS you know here's my new listing coming soon and we use that on social media all the time but it wasn't at a you know a week and a half or two or three weeks before it was in the MLS it was just to show you had the photos you had the you had the product, you knew what it was going to be listed for, and you're just giving them a preview. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, I wish that we still had that window. Um, uh, there is no window anymore. That one day is not enough to really create any excitement. No. So in order to do that, now we, we all have to adhere. And I think, again, I think their reasoning for that is to um, – to keep everybody, not necessarily, I don't want to use the word honest, but keep everybody on the same even playing field. And if by doing pocket listings, we're not all following the same guidelines, it are, that's probably one of the reasons why they don't, they're, they're not backing the idea of keeping an inventory of pocket listings. Right. They want, you do have everything in the MLS. Yeah. And guys in the same manner. Right. And, you know, there, like I said, there were um, listing services. There was one in Los Angeles called um, Pocket Listing, um, what was it called? Pocket Listing Service or PLS for short. There was one in San Francisco, Top Agent Network. That one, that one limited the people that could access those listings to the top 10% of agents in that network. And so even though it went across different brokerages, only top performers could access that. And you know that's not necessarily fair to new agents who haven't been able to build up their um, properties that they've sold. Um, but interestingly enough, top agent um, has a lawsuit against the National Association of Realtors claiming that clear cooperation violates antitrust. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, uh, and it could be a regional thing too, where it is more popular in regions where there is a very high density of high profile clients. Yeah. I mean, maybe perhaps like in LA or you even mentioned, I believe San Francisco. Yep. Um, in uh, Manhattan. Yep. Um, where you may have people who need that confidentiality and they need that safeguarded and so they're entrusting this one agent with the information but yet we're still we're responsible for it but in order to sell it 99% of the time you're going to have to involve another agent you can't do it all on your own right and Washington DC yeah. was another top 
um, market that you where pocket listings were surging and um, which you know with all the politicians there I can see why people wouldn't necessarily want their addresses publicly marketed so let's talk about um, I guess some pros or reasons why a buyer or seller would choose a pocket listing um, you know both of us have had the opportunity to work with celebrities um, yeah. you, you know we both have connections to professional sports and you know entertainers Correct. and a lot of um, those individuals want privacy and secrecy um, so that is a reason why you would see that and you know with everything that's going on right now you know whether it's politicians or law enforcement you know other populations may want to have that privacy as well well and and also just with our with the pandemic that everybody is dealing with right now they may want you know and and we do this with all with all of our listings right now anyway we want to make sure that we're not spinning our wheels and everybody that's coming through is a true pre-approved buyer who's been pre-qualified in advance and you're not you know just traipsing people through a property unnecessarily however you combine that again with somebody who's very high profile someone who's now working maybe from home high profile um it it could be a very much more uh, a need for privacy um, and exclusivity and extra clearance in advance before somebody's going to let them, you know, show their property. Right. So, and to your point, you know, if, if you have a home that's listed in the multiple listing service, but you don't want a lot of people through your home because of um, COVID restrictions, there are ways that you can limit those showings um, by asking for proof of funds or pre-approval letter in advance um, by having them sign there's a, a, a um, sheet that says right. right the disclosure that they haven't been feeling ill and you know there's a long list of things that they um, agree to so there are steps that you can take if you are um, listed in the MLS but for people that really want to limit that um, that would be a reason why um, some people don't want their neighbors or their boss or um, to know that their home is on the market um, or they don't want to sign in the yard we find that oftentimes when with the MLS you'll get the nosy neighbors that want to come by and oh, see what the house is worth and add and add to that the fact that now you're dealing with possibly somebody uh, with some um, visibility, a celebrity or a politician or or somebody who really needs that privacy. Someone wants to come see the house, they see it online and they see that they, you know, whose home it is. Very easy to look up now who some who who actually lives in a property. Right. Public records. I mean in pu public records will, you know, in, unless the if the home is uh, or the property is listed in the name of an LLC or um, another trust entity it, it's it's out there the information is out there right so this is probably a better way for people who really demand that privacy to be able to ensure that they're gonna have a little bit more of a, of a fighting chance to keep it anonymity yeah absolutely and for buyers there are some buyers who want exclusive opportunities 
Um, you know, we are in a very tight inventory. Going into COVID, we were already at about two months inventory. And, you know, in a neutral market that's balanced, you're looking at a six month inventory. Um, and so by having a pocket listing, those buyers, in essence, because it's a more limited buying pool, have a better chance of not dealing with multiple offers, which, you know, right now we're seeing so many multiple offer situations because the inventory is just so tight right now. Well, and you're seeing even more of that with a first time buyer market. Um, they're right now, the interest rates are so ridiculously low. It, I mean, even people who could afford to possibly buy cash are considering a mortgage, yeah. you know, and because yeah. it's almost free money. But especially for that first time buyer, they have a better chance if they have, a, if they're still painfully employed and they have good credit to get a really killer deal on an interest rate now. And so they, the, the affordability of the home is that much more because their monthly payment is so much less. So that buyer trying to get out now and look at listings that are coming out of the MLS, if they're coming in with an FHA loan, which you know is already, a, it's not the, the best product to go in in a multiple offer situation. Um, you, if you're a cash offer, or if you have a, a really uh, nice down payment on a conventional loan, you stand a much better chance in a multiple offer than if you're an FHA buyer. So add to that now the possibility of a pocket listing where that buyer who's coming in with an FHA loan and a small down payment may have a better chance to come in at a good price, you know, come full price offer, and not have to fight with somebody else over that property, you right. know, and get into a bidding war. Yep. Um, they don't. They don't stand a chance. So for them, that's probably a really good option. Yeah, absolutely. And for sellers, it allows them to test a list price before going public, or play around with different list points, list prices throughout. Um, the time that it's on market. You don't even have to name a list price. It's almost like Zillow's make me move, you know, make me yeah. an offer. And, you know, my grandmother used to say, my grandmother loved shopping. And when she would find a good deal, she would say, you know, it, it was at that price, I couldn't afford not to get it. And, you know, for <laughs> sellers, if they just throw it, throw a number out there and they get it, you know, it, they may be compelled mm -hmm. to move. True, true. No, it's a good way to test the market, test the waters. And for those of us who've been, you know, or anybody who's even shopping for a property, they know well enough to look at how many days a property's on the market. So if a property's been on the market for a long time, they feel that the seller needs to sell and they're going to be more motivated the longer it's on the market. So for the seller of a pocket listing, the clock is not counting down. There's right. no days on the market. So um, it, it kind of keeps that under wraps as well. So that maybe eventually, if they ever did decide that they didn't sell it as a pocket listing and decided to put it into the MLS, um, then the clock starts running once it's into the MLS. Right. That's a great point because, you know, in the market we're in now, if a property has been on market more than 30 days, certainly 60 days, 
you know, the, the first question out of buyers' mouths is what's wrong with it? Why has it been yeah. on the market so long? And, and it is a great point that pocket listings, you don't have that days on market counting against you. So now let's talk about the flip sides, the cons of pocket listings. Um, I think the first would certainly be the limited marketing exposure um, and the smaller buying pool because you're not exposing it to the full market. Mm -hmm. And obviously because of what you just said, the seller of a pocket listing needs to be in, 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 you know, face the reality that this is not going to be the fastest sale they've ever had because it's not getting full exposure. Um, it, it, not because we're not trying, but you're not able to get the word out about the property in the same manner that you would if it was in the MLS and if you were able to reach so many other brokerages, brokerages versus the limited um, exposure you're going to be able to give them with pocket listing. Right. And and there are limitations, you know, you don't have an opportunity to promote it to agents with other brokerages. Um, and, you know, this is where it gets tricky. There are fair housing laws that we as realtors have to adhere to. And if there are sellers who want to choose the next buyer and it's in violation of those fair housing laws, um, you know, that puts agents in a, into a, a very um, tenuous situation because... Yes, but because we, have, because we have a code of ethics that we have to adhere to, um, we can always refer back to that to our sellers. If they're looking for us, um, for looking to us for guidance and looking for us to represent them, then they have to allow us to adhere to that code of ethics as well. Absolutely. And um, I, in episode 25, I recorded um, an episode with our broker talking about realtor relationships and the brokerage relationships that we can have with our customers. And single agency is what our brokerage defers to which gives us the fiduciary responsibility to our buyer or seller however with a pocket listing because you're only promoting to agents within your office you won't likely be able to represent them as a single agent unless the buyer has a no brokerage relationship with the transaction or you would have to have both agents um, represented as a transaction broker. Right, right, yeah, so um, again, it, the representation is so much different when you have a listing in the MLS system. And I, get, I think that these are all things that we're going to have to have an honest and candid discussion with with the seller who is in agreement to or or looking for somebody to take a pocket listing because of the fact that they may not be thinking about each one of these issues. Um, obviously, when they give you a listing, it may be their assumption that you're able to represent them and only them from the beginning to the end of the transaction. Right. Um, to take the transaction to, to closing. Uh, through to closing, where in fact, if it is only within your brokerage, 
that you're not going to be able to do that because we have to become a transactional broker when we're dealing with another agent in our own office. Right. And I don't know if everyone does this with their listing agreement and or listing presentation. I mean, I certainly cover that because in the listing agreement with our brokerage, at least you you sign the single agency brokerage disclosure. But then we also have the the consent to transition to transaction broker because otherwise we wouldn't be able to have other agents in our brokerage show the property without that consent. Um, so I would hope that agents are having that discussion, but since the overwhelming majority of agents work in a transaction brokerage relationship anyway, I don't think they are having that, relation, that conversation. Right, but I, I do think that, that the conversation may not need to take place between the actual um, advisors or, or realtors, but it definitely needs to take place between the, the, the realtor that takes the listing, takes that pocket listing with that seller so yeah. that they're aware beforehand. Yes, absolutely. And I think the last one, it's not necessarily a con as much as a misconception that sellers may think that by doing a pocket listing they are only responsible for paying the listing agent and not the buyer's agent mm -hmm. but i don't know any agent that is going to sell a property for free to their customer um, just because of the inordinate amount of work that's required to do that and so, you know, if they're looking to save that money, then I would recommend for sale by owner. For sale by owner is one way to do it, but the other way um, in a situation like this would also be for somebody possibly consider putting this as a, as a standard right to sell listing in the MLS rather than doing a pocket listing. Um, it, I, I think that I, I think that it can get a little um, it can get a little complicated if people are looking to just do this to save money. Mm -hmm. If they think that by just listing with you that they're going to only have to pay one half of that normal commission and and not have to deal with the other representation for the buyer. Um, but but we're how often are we able to produce that buyer unless we're working in only a community that we what we call a farm area and have overflow from one listing to another um, and you have people who are saying oh okay maybe this property is not the right one for me well I have this pocket listing that might be a perfect fit for you if it was that easy we would have a lot more of these pocket listings unfortunately that we don't always have that overflow of buyers that we can just place into a pocket list. Right. And I, I don't have data on the number of agents that sell both sides of their listings, but I can speak anecdotally that it happens, it's happened very few times in the five years that I've sold real estate. And I actually prefer not to because I just, it puts you in, in a bit of a, an awkward situation. I total agreement with you, and I've been doing this a lot longer, and I've done probably, I would say probably a half a dozen times where I've actually represented both buyer and seller, 
and it does it makes it very difficult uh, for the negotiation it can be very touchy um, you do your absolute best to represent both sides honestly and fairly and you and the, you, you've taken an oath to do that um, again you know citing the, the ethics that we have to follow but it doesn't make it easy because you know that normally if you are representing just either the buyer or the seller you can be a lot more candid with your advice right absolutely and and again as a single agent you can your it's your duty to do what's best for them financially um not just to offer what you think is best but you know it's our duty to do what's best and um yeah i i I really prefer to operate as a single agent whenever possible um so why do buyers use pocket listings um you know in a market that we're in now it gives them an opportunity to access a less competitive market again with inventory being the way it is um it it can be more advantageous to be in a, a more limited pool of buyers so again you're not getting into um, multiple offer situations um, but it also sellers aren't necessarily held to um, they can be more flexible with their buying process you know they may give a longer contract period or um, they may be flexible with paying closing costs or including things, personal property in a sale. Exactly. But they also still need to be mindful of the fact that, yes, you, if you're dealing with somebody who's still going to be financed, they still have to be uh, mindful of the fact that if that home has to appraise and they're including, you know, a completely furnished home because it's easier than moving uh, and they can start fresh in their new property, they can skew their appraisal value by including property that then is backed out of the value of the, of the sale. So, um, I mean, you can be flexible to a point and definitely with things like, you know, uh, closing dates or um, you're, you're not competing with, a, with a, a lot of other people may not even have a backup offer, which a lot of people may normally have um, in, a, in this kind of a market where we're in multiple offers, some of those multiple offers are turning into not just a contract, but a backup, and then a backup to the backup. Yep, absolutely. And I have seen a number of backup contracts go into effect, you know, during the last couple of months because exactly. of the volatility of the economy and the, the job market. Exactly, because then if somebody unfortunately is denied because of something that's changed with their employment, that backup contract moves into the first position, so. Yep, absolutely. And, um, but even though the buyers or the sellers may be more flexible in the home buying process, we often find that they're not flexible in the price because they don't really have to be, right? Because uh -huh. it's not gonna impact them. Um, so I think that's something that buyers should keep in mind. Um, yeah. And there are, even though pocket listings are legal, some buyers may have ideological or ethical issues with the exclusivity of off-market listings. So again, it's not gonna be for every buyer. 
You know, and a lot of them will wonder, well, why, why is it that the house isn't listed? Why wouldn't you want to put it on the market? And then, uh, again, it's our job, as we're discussing now, to bring to light why this particular seller felt it more advantageous for them to have a sale where the property wasn't listed for public. Right. You know, yeah. uh, publishing. Absolutely. But in a tight market, it can be a great tool because it gives you as an agent one more thing in your one more thing that you can add in your pocket um, to your buyer outside of what they're already seeing and your arsenal of, of, of things you're the rabbit that you pull out of your hat yeah for that buyer that <laughs> may may not know what's out there that they want and again you said it earlier if you have a really competitive buyer, it's not just the sellers that are competitive. If you have a competitive buyer who has an opportunity to buy something that nobody else has an opportunity to purchase, it may make it that much more appealing to them. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I actually had this happen a couple of years ago. Um, I had a woman who was in town from Texas just for the weekend, needed to find something, and you know we looked and she i think she wrote an offer on something but got beat out and um on her last day i remembered a property of an investor that i had worked with and he was using the property as an airbnb and so i i wasn't able to get her in the home that day but we drove by it and then the next week after the people who were vacationing there had left, I did a FaceTime tour of it. And she decided to write an offer. She was already in Texas at that point. And she didn't see her home until the day she closed on it. And, um, you know, she wound up selling it actually about four months later, which made me a little nervous because generally when people sell that quickly they lose money yes. um, but she was able to sell it for twenty two thousand dollars more and basically closing. what's that covered her closing costs exactly and sale. exactly and right. and now she's in a different home so and that was actually um an in-house um transaction because the oh no 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 when I sold it it was it was in-house but yeah so I've, I've had a couple of those as well where you're doing you know FaceTime or videoing the property to an out-of-state buyer and I think we're gonna see a lot more of that uh, we are in the process right now with what we're all dealing with with this COVID environment where we're seeing so many more people coming in from out-of-state uh, so many people who may have been quarantined in small quarters up north, and now they're like, I'm done. My job is now decided, you know, my employer has now decided that we can work remotely from home. I could live wherever I want to. And so we're having people who are looking, and it's going to be the same thing. They may end up buying sight unseen and then seeing it at closing or you know, or coming down for their inspections, but yep. it's it become a lot more commonplace. Absolutely. And, you know, not just because of our beautiful weather, which, you know, that's why I live here because I love hot, warm weather, um, but also the, the tax advantages 
that we have here in Florida that a lot of other states don't have, you know, not having to pay a state income tax and the places where people are migrating from, you know, relatively speaking, our real estate is more affordable, you know, certainly compared to New York City or San Francisco or Los Angeles. Yeah. Taxes alone are, it's incredible the, the difference. But somebody could move from New York to Florida, keep the same job, work remotely, and recognize probably a 20 to 28% increase in their overall income when you look at what they're going to be saving to move here. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So. And, 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 you know, for right now, we have less density. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, how long we'll be able to say that, but um, yeah, you know, so people in, in highly dense populations, especially going through what we're going through now with so many places shut down, um, it can be difficult to, to live in a very dense um, population in a pandemic. Right. Well, even in the Tampa Bay area, though, we have many outlying areas that have become quite popular with people new to the state, uh, people who are looking toward Bradenton and Manatee County and um, maybe up near Wesley Chapel for easy access to Tampa. And it is becoming more dense there. I, I agree with you, but still nothing by comparison from where they're moving in most cases. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having this conversation with me. Um, You know, I think that, again, this isn't the option for every buyer, um, but for buyers who either want privacy or a limited market, you know, for whatever reason, the pocket listing could be a great option. Yeah, good good for an anonymity of the anonymity during a sale. That I think that's probably if you ask me what I think the number one reason would be, that would have to be it. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think it's been very enlightening to have the discussion too. Yes. Well, stay healthy, and um, I will talk with you later. All right. Thanks so much, Nicole. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you can listen to future episodes. And if you have a show topic that you'd like to share with me or have a real estate related question that you'd like to ask, I'd love to hear it. You can call or text me at 719-201-5022 or you can reach me via email at Nicole at SellingStPetefl.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E at S-E-L-L-I-N-G-S-T-P-E-T-E-F-L.com.